This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Welcome to the Nikuda podcast. Parsha's boy. This Parsha combines the uh, rest of the Makos with Dinam regarding uh, the Court in Pesach. Combining two elements. This is really uh, the first Parsha in the Torah that uh, gives over a lot of halachas, specific dinam that have to be done. In fact, uh, Rashi, the famous Rashi about starting the Torah with this Parsha, basically, uh, because it's the first one that has mitzvah, so what do we have to know about all the stories before that? <clears throat> what a commentary on that point. In any case, we have that extra dimension of a uh, specific uh, instructions for things that are done to be done for all doyers. There's some mitzvahs here that are just for the doyer of the uh, gul itself, but many that go on for the rest of history. Um, And we have to understand a little bit about the dynamics going on here because what we have to understand is that the Torah is given for people to use and to learn from. It's not just a storybook. It's not just a history book. It's not just uh, uh, interesting facts about uh, the Jewish people. We're talking about stuff that really is supposed to have an impact on us. And the very first issue that we have to deal with here is the impact that it's having at that time itself on the people involved, which were Paro himself and the Jewish people as a whole. And that would leave um, an impact, uh, make a ruishim, as I say, an impression for the rest of history, uh, for uh, and the rest of the uh, inhabitants of the earth. Because based on these events that changed the course of history, uh, people related to Hashem in a different way and related to the Jewish people in a different way, the entire of history was changed by these events, that they were designed uh, for that purpose. So that means the first thing was that Paro himself had to be made into a believer, so to speak. He had to be, you can't have an effect on somebody that is not macabre. He's simply not interested in, uh, he doesn't acknowledge the existence of the, uh, the people involved. So if the first thing that he said when Moshe Kambina came to him and you know, who is this God you're talking about? I don't know anything about this God. I haven't heard of him. He's not uh, in my pantheon. I don't, uh, not interested in hearing anything about him. So he didn't take the whole thing seriously. Just, just uh, you know, passed it off as being a fake, a whole fake thing. 
So the first, um, the first job was to make him take it seriously to the point where he'd think that it was something to be reckoned with. And basically, over the course of the Marcus, that's why it took so long, because he had to be brought to his knees, so to speak. He had to be brought, brought to the, a position where, first of all, he acknowledged the existence of Hashem, that this was a, a true force to be reckoned with. And it was a formidable force, and a force that was ultimately more powerful than him, that he really couldn't stand up to. So it's said that, you know, why did we get to the point where it says that Hashem hardened his heart, that Hashem actually prevented him from allowing the Jews to go, even when he wanted to already. And it's said that because he was really not there yet wholeheartedly. In other words, he's kind of being forced into it. It wasn't truly his choice. He didn't uh, recognize and, and acknowledge that he was uh, beaten and that he had to acquiesce, and he had to uh, subordinate himself to Hashem's power. Um, so it took him that long to, he had to really go through all ten, because each uh, maka, each plague represented something different and uh, a different aspect of Hashem, a different power of Hashem, a different um, uh, aspect of the, of the Midas. So he had to really experience everything in order to get to the point of a complete acceptance. Uh, and of course, that's not just for him, but also for his people. And ultimately for the Jewish people itself, because the Jewish people itself also really didn't have patience for this. They didn't have the koya for it. And uh, it took a long time to convince them that they should be 100% behind it. And even then, we say by the Makas Choyshech in this uh, in this parsha that they were, uh, it was like at least four-fifths of the people uh, died because they weren't, in a, they weren't interested in going out, even after all that. So we see that it's not easy for people to turn over their perspective and their allegiances and their perception and their assumptions about, about their lives, uh, even in the most extreme situations. They don't really get it. It's very hard for them to acknowledge that things are really different than the way they were used to, um, uh, to uh, experiencing them. Uh, I think we see this today in what's going on in the Middle East, that um, despite what one would, th- what one would think is a very extreme uh, display of uh, destruction that's gone on there, uh, there are a lot of people that uh, don't want to give in. They don't want to acknowledge that they have to change their attitudes. And uh, I think there's been a lot of... There's been enough things happening on so many different levels that people would, would assume that people by now, would have changed their attitudes about things. And still, you see a lot of people holding out on on all sides. Um, You see uh, Palestinians that are still uh, supporting Hamas, despite all the things that have been revealed about their operation. Um, You have people that uh, that don't want to, you know, the Hamas leadership themselves that doesn't want to give in no matter what. Uh, Other Arab countries that don't seem to recognize what the situation is going on. Um, the Palestinian people themselves, a woman thinks that they would question their, their allegiance to these, this, this ideology. Uh, and then among the, the Jews themselves, uh, Israelis, you have people that are still supporting the left, people that are still uh, you know, assuming that those values are correct. 
the left with all of its trust of, of the uh, Arab uh, leadership as being a, a partner in peace and that kind of thing and then seeing you know how deceptive they've been. So it's, um, it's very difficult for people to accept the facts once they have uh, set themselves up to believe, into a certain belief system. They don't want to give it up you know, easily. And that's why here in this, in this situation where we're talking about that Hashem is, wants to make an impression which is, which is going to affect us for all generations. The, the Seder uh, itself is set up as being an experience. You know, a person is, is, we're told that we should be, uh, uh, we, should, we should experience the Seder night as if we ourselves are coming out of Mitzrayim. That means it's supposed to be a personal experience. We really take it to heart personally. Of course, the other the other aspect of in all of this is that you know there has been, and and this in this you see the that that people really can turn around uh, when faced with really extreme experiences. Is the fact that there has been a, a very significant awakening of uh, the Jewish people, uh, mainly in Eretz Yisrael itself, and mainly in the South, where people actually. You know, went through this terrible uh, experience of what happened, but um, you have to see a lot of Alichuva. People that openly have changed their their behavior as a, uh, on a basis of seeing open miracles and open uh, examples of shkachaprotes that they just can't uh, can't deny. And uh, if they face those things openly and honestly, they see that there's no way out. You have to just change your life. You have to you have to be different. You can't allow you. You know your life to go on the same after having experienced such an incredible uh, uh, open display of Hashem's involvement. So, but on the other hand, there are a lot of people that didn't. So there are people that still want to continue with their lifestyle as as it was, as if nothing happened, as if nothing necessitated a change. So one of the things when we when we see things openly in our daily life, it's something that demands a reaction. It demands change. It demands a, 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 an increase in commitment or, or a re-examination of the commitment and of our, of our behavior on a daily basis. So when we're talking about reliving this experience in the context of the Pesach Seder, for example, Pesach, we're talking, you know, you talk about preaching to the choir in the sense that you're, you're talking to people that ostensibly already believe in this stuff, right? You know, believe in what the Torah says. And still, it's questionable if we're really living up to the, uh, to the belief system that we've accepted and that we have committed ourselves to uh, dedication to. Are we really living as if these things happened? In other words, if we had really lived through these times and these experiences and these events, would we be living the same way we're living now? Would we live with the same... Uh, would, would, would we really uh, put more into it and, and do it with more feeling and more uh, excitement and more passion than the way we live it today? So we, we have to, again, there's this difference between is it real for us or is it something we talk about as being something that happened so long ago? Is it something that we feel like it happened yesterday or is it something that we feel like it happened, you know, 3,000 years ago and, uh, you know, has limited application to us uh, as, you know, modern-day individuals? So this this is really what it comes down to. How much do we accept 
this as the reality. Uh, if Hashem was to ask us to do these things again, if we, we had to do it over again, you know, would we, how would we react? How would we, uh, you know, what, how would it affect our lives? So this is the thing that each of us has to confront uh, in terms of, in general, how we relate both to our own experiences, to other people's experiences that we hear about, uh, to the degree of, um, of, of veracity that these things have, and how much in general we can apply things that we see in life to our own lives when it, when it demands change or increased commitment, increased uh, you know, emotional uh, involvement uh, on a different level than just uh, a, a tacit uh, kind of um, passive acceptance of information without taking it really to heart. Uh, okay, so this, the, then, then uh, once you've accepted that, then the whole thing is, what, is it, what are the implications? So it's obvious that Hashem is showing here that he is in control of nature. He can, he can override natural law when he wants to. It's not, it's not a difficult thing for him. And especially if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. So it's, it's, it's a, a feeling that we come down to the questions of Bitochen. You know, if, if we, do we really believe that Hashem is behind us and that he's going to save us and he's going to, he's going to protect us and he's going to, you know, that we can, uh, we can take on any challenge without having to be worried about it and try to escape or try to, you know, pass it off or, or try to uh, whatever other types of reactions we have other than an absolute, you know, unwavering, uh, faith betochen that we don't that we will be protected. We as long as we're doing the right thing, we'll be protected. We have don't know what to worry about, and if we're not doing the right thing, then we better change until we are. So that's basically what it comes down to. So all of these things are are you know push comes to shove kinds of realizations that Pesach is a very 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 dramatic dynamic events. Uh, nobody can just. Pass off as it, it, it made a tremendous impression, obviously, on everyone who lived through it, and and it's it's still making an impression on us today, three thousand years later. Because if it happened, it happened. It, it's, it's not such a thing as something happened halfway. If it happened, it happened, and we we accept what what we're told about it. And and if 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 these events actually transpired, then it, it demands a, a reaction. So we have to confront this every year once again and determine how are we going to respond this year or some kind of a renewal some kind of a a, uh, a fresh perspective uh, some kind of a, a uh, uh, increased deeper realization of what this means for our lives uh, because when a person really really has betokhan and he trusts in Hashem first of all he doesn't worry about things he has the confidence to do things that uh, that this, the situation requires uh, without uh, thinking, you know, having second thoughts about it, without having that, that kind of a wishy-washy, wavering type of attitude. It just feels like, you know, this is what's got to be done. It's got to be done because this is a real, this is, this is an absolute thing. It's Hashem is Hashem, and, and the Torah is, is Amos, and, and, and that's what we have to deal with. Okay, so I hope that that, uh, you know... <laughs> Just encourages people to um, think a little, a little deeper about what's going on, and uh, hopefully we should uh, have fias and shias, and Shem should deliver us from any uh, danger or uh, challenges. <laughs>